Welcome back to another episode of Booch Please podcast with Corinne. Just, I've got like a whole diva thing going when I, I introduce it. the podcast. I'm not like this in real life, I don't think. <laughs> um, anyways, today in my house studio, I have a very special, lovely, gorgeous guest. And she is not just good with words and has a great brain, but she's also got the best touch. And we're going to talk about what that means. I know it sounds sexual. It's not. It's very <laughs> healing. And no one better than to have Ashley Brodeur, um, to, than to have Ashley here to speak on it. She actually is a yoga teacher who owns, um, I guess it's like a, what would you call it? Like a discipline almost. Sure. Yeah. She owns like a yoga discipline called the philosophy discipline. And it's all about feeling and touching and feeling with your soul and whatnot. Hey. And we've also got Lily trying to video bomb <laughs> over here. Without further ado, I'll have you introduce yourself and what you do, what you're about. Yeah. You said it so perfectly, this idea that um, that touch is not just sexual, but mm. that's how we kind of learn it. So I guess I always say to people like, I'm Ashley, I'm the founder of the philosophy method, and I teach people how to touch and also how to be touched because mm. there's two sides to it always forget that. Yeah. So for me, it kind of started about four years ago. Um, I was touching people in yoga class just towards the end, like a Shavasana massage and really noticed how people responded to this touch. There was usually like a release. Oh, sometimes it was emotional and people kept asking for more. And it was about that time that I just started to explore my own relationship to touch. Cause at that point, like 24 I was around 24 I'd never really thought or even asked myself like what is my relationship to touch I assumed it was always just like a sexual one so mm -hmm. if I wasn't in a relationship or getting some on the side <laughs> I wasn't getting touch but I realized that there were so many ways to also get that need met yeah. need met Oh, yeah. So I feel like people can really relate to that being yeah. in the pandemic, being in lockdown and quarantine. We're not getting touched a whole lot by someone else. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's awesome. And in addition to that, you're also in school right now. Yes. So I'm finishing my master's in counseling psychology. And my goal is to one day like bridge the two <laughs> together because I think like you mentioned in the beginning, touch can be so healing, but mm -hmm. touch can also be traumatic. And a lot of people um, that I've met, I found like they have um, like touch trauma, which makes them sometimes mm -hmm. touch averse. And my thought around it is that if you can create an environment that's safe and supportive, you're helping people like relearn and then rewrite their narrative to touch. Um in therapy, there's like, it's called exposure technique. So if you were afraid of like cats, let's say, we would slowly expose you to it over time. Yeah. Images of it, sounds, eventually a cat over there and then a full on Closer. cat. Right. And so my idea has always been the same around touch. If someone was traumatized with touch, instead of avoiding that subject completely, instead of that person never being able to experience touch, like how can you slowly reintroduce or rewrite mm. it and I think chat talking about it first and then eventually creating yeah an environment where supportive touch can yeah be. like micro exposures yeah I think there are so many parallels between 
that and food and nutrition mm-hmm. in that there are foods that people are afraid of. Like a lot of people have sworn off carbohydrates or mm-hmm. they're afraid of fat. Instead of doing like an all or nothing approach, instead of reintroducing it all at once, mm-hmm. it's very overwhelming for people because there is that emotional layer. There's also the physical layer. Like they might not have the enzymes or the mechanisms in their body to properly digest foods that they haven't eaten for many, many years. Um, And then that emotional layer, of course, is like when you have a phobia of something and you're forced to confront it, it can be very, very scary um, and isolating as well. So I love that there's like so much parallel to healing and, Mm -hmm. and therapy. And what you said too, actually, is that all or nothing, the way that we're almost trained in a way to like see everything as either black or white. And we forget that there's such fluidity in everything we do. And mm-hmm. I think that's where a lot of people can get caught up. If it's food, if it's like workout, if it's relationship, if it's touch, whatever it might be, we're always like, it's either A or B, but that's where we start to not trust our bodies. Cause we're like, Oh, it either has to be this way or this way. Right. But it can be like, Totally. And people project that fault onto themselves. Like there's something wrong with me because I don't fit into A or B. Yeah. But it's like, no, between A or B, there's a thousand different possibilities or variations that you could be. And that's still normal and healthy Mm -hmm. and totally okay. For someone who hasn't attended a philosophy yoga class, can you describe what the experience is like or what the intention is behind it? Yes. The experience will be very different now because COVID. Um, (laughs) So what it used to be is it was a very small class, like very intimate, and we would start with a check-in question. So always Mm -hmm. just getting to know each other, like more being a little bit more comfortable with each other. And then it was restorative in nature. So Mm -hmm. postures meant to put your body into like a rest state. Um, And then touch was offered. So if it was under six people, it was just me. And if it was over six people, it would be me and like somebody else, Mm -hmm. just so that people got the experience of supportive touch probably like four to five times during a class. Yeah. Yeah. That I remember my first experience taking a class. I was shocked because usually in a big class setting, it's one instructor and like 20 to 30 people. So you get maybe like a five second hand on your shoulder and then, and then they're gone and you're just like, Um, but no, I was so shocked when you like kept coming back and like to different body parts too. And it truly just amplifies the like restorative nature of that pose. Yeah. You know, like if I were in child's pose and you gently push on my lower back, like I can like, like I can audibly hear myself going, like just sighing into it. It's so helpful. Our bodies like hold on to so much. Our bodies hold on to feeling and trauma and things that we haven't expressed. And so for me, my body would hold on to so much, but I would process it in my brain. And so for when someone would touch me in a yoga class or just touch me in general, not in a sexual way, it was like a way for me to like press pause on my brain and then be in my body. And I think that's where you'll feel the release. Like, oh shit, someone would put their hand on my chest and like, I notice like I'm feeling tight and intense and then you put your hand there and it's like, it's going to be okay. But I needed that like touch to bridge the gap to like make that remind you because I was so disconnected. Like when you're in your head too much, I feel you're disconnected from your body. So touch to me is like, try to reconnect. Okay. I definitely want to talk more about that because I think so many people can relate to it. Can you explain more 
um, about this concept of storing emotions or energy in our bodies. I think a lot of people out there maybe don't quite grasp that. Yeah, I'm not an expert on it, but you can read. There's a book called The Body Keeps the Score, mm. which is like a very wonderful Definitely book. Definitely recommend that too. Yeah, <laughs> this idea is, and I'm obviously like to people listening, give feedback if I'm wrong. I'm always open to a discussion. She's paraphrasing. Yeah, this is my understanding: <laughs> is that if you look at like an animal, when an animal experiences any type of trauma, they have a physiological response. So they run away, they howl, they shake, mm. but they like complete the the trauma. They complete the experience for them. They do what's called like an energetic discharge for them. Mm. But humans, we've been trained to not complete the trauma. We've been trained to like store it. So something happens like I was rejected, let's say. Right. So instead of having my emotional response, which could be like crying, anger, like vocalizing it, whatever it might be, I just like, I'm like, don't get upset, like be strong or be quiet or be good or whatever it might be. And I just like chop or like I cut that discharge off. Mm. So then what happens is that that energy has nowhere to go. So then it's stored in our body. Right. You'll see it sometimes with people who've experienced trauma. They weren't able, they froze in the moment. They weren't able to say no or push someone away or run away or mm. change the course of their direction. So that energy is like stored in their body. Yeah. And you try to like relearn how to give your body that like physiological release instead of stunting it or numbing it or avoiding it. Right. Because yeah. that's the usual compensatory reaction is I want to escape. And that happens a lot. Like you hear a lot about, unfortunately, for stories of rape victims or survivors, I should say, um, that halfway through they just like blacked out or they numbed out. Like their yeah. brain was like, it was almost like they were watching it happen from outside of their body. They're having an out-of-body experience because they're just not able to process the amount of emotions and the trauma that they're going through in that very moment. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's very hard. And then to undo all of that trauma or to like release that emotion is such a long process for yeah. people. Like sometimes it can take years, I would say. For a lot of people, what they come to realize is they realize like how much they're lacking touch mm. or how much touch is paired with like an expectation. Mm. So that's interesting. So this woman, and I'm forgetting her name, but she wrote an article um, after talking to me and she, she kind of coined the phrase touch currency yes. where there's like a currency behind a touch exchange. So um, let's say you're like a parent. A lot of moms or parents feel like overtouched because when their kid is touching them, there's almost like an expectation in return of like my time, my energy, which is fine. You're a parent, like you, you have to do that. But the touch that your kid is giving to you is like coming in exchange for something. Right. Um, your partner, like your partner comes home and they're all like kissing up on you and doing whatever. Sometimes the expectation is they want something back of you. They want sex. They want attention. They want, right. So their touch. So a lot of people feel that it's very rare where they can just be in a space and like be supported by someone else's touch without needing to give anything back in return. Being able to receive touch, going back to what you said before, is also a skill that a lot of people are working on. I think a lot of us feel that we don't deserve like something that's just purely pleasurable that we don't have to give back in return. Yeah. Um, and that's, I think, 
just part of society that's kind of built into us. Yeah. That if you want pleasure, then you're either a heathen and you're hedonistic mm. or that you better do something to deserve that pleasure. Yeah. yeah. And even how, how we can reframe or rethink about pleasure mm. too. Cause sometimes even when I hear the word pleasure, I think, Oh, pleasure must mean sexual, mm. but pleasure can be enjoying eating a type of food, a beverage, uh, putting on lotion, laughing ex- with friends. Yeah. yeah, totally. But the minute you say pleasure, I'm like, oh, sexual. Ooh, like, <laughs> ooh, what does she mean? Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. I wanted to ask you if there were any like memorable, like positive touch moments in your life that maybe aren't sexual to give people some examples of what they could look for um, in their experience with touch. Yeah positive ones are always like ones that come with like consent like okay like an ask I think even if which can be interesting because some people just assume even if touch with friends or touch with loved ones you don't need to have a conversation Mm. but you do because even when you say about your like love language is touch but it's not necessarily sexual Mm -hmm. people even in partnership, like same with my partner, like my love language is touch, but it means like, I want you to hug me, you know, for like a good five minutes every day. Like (laughs) I want, you know, I want you to, when we're out in public to just like hold my hand a little Mm -hmm. bit, but that comes because we've had a conversation that it's not like, and we ask like, because this is what I'm so passionate about. It's easier for me. Like it's become more of like a first, second language for me to just easily say like to my partner, Hey, I need you to like rub my low back because I'm feeling anxious. Hey, can you like I come here? I need you to give me a hug. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of just like assuming that he knows what I want. Right. Same with my mom. Like she lives, she doesn't like live here, but she lives in Calgary. Um, and she's a very like touchy tuggy person. But some days I'm just like overwhelmed and I don't want it. Right. Um, so I just have to communicate with her. So it's yeah. touch on your terms. Basically, yeah. And with the other person's consent. Yeah. I think that's important too. As someone with a love language and physical touch, it doesn't mean that I want it all the time mm-hmm. on someone else's terms. Like yeah. most importantly, I want to be loved in the way that I want to in a very specific way. And I want it when I want it. Yeah. Right. And then communicating that in a kind and respectful way goes a really long way. Like yeah. with your partner, I'm sure, I don't know if Kale's like, you know, comfortable with talking about these things before he met you, but, <laughs> but he probably has really good practice now and you've set a good example for him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause like, um, what was I reading the other day? Even little things. And some people might think this is extreme, but if you even look at how we deal with kids, like mm. how many of us just automatically assume we can cuddle, mm. pick up, hug, touch, pinch cheeks, a little kid. And yeah. like, that's where it's learned. So then when you're a little kid, if you have those experiences of like adults just like using your body in that way, so like using, it's it's not like negative, but then it's harder when you get to like be an adult to be like, oh, but I should just accept this hug. And if I don't accept it, this hug, I'm going to be an asshole. It's like, no, if you don't want it, just say, not right now. Mm-hmm. Like it just gives then other people permission to ask for what they need. How else do you think it it? develops over time if someone were to be touched in a wrong way or in a disrespectful way not necessarily in sexual harassment or assault Mm -hmm. but just like overly touched beyond their comfort what are some consequences do you think to that yeah I mean I can only speak that's a good question I can only think of instances like for me it 
manifested as like a lack or like a change in trust towards other people. Mm. Like I tend to, um, there was a while where I tended to just be like very withdrawn from other people because I just didn't trust what their intentions was, especially for my job being a yoga teacher. Um, and just the way that it is, at least for me, was you were in front of the room and you made yourself really available. And then some people assume that that availability meant to you were available to be touched like at, after a class, like, mm. let me hug you, let me bring you over here. Um, and so I think it could yeah, manifest as like a hard time creating boundaries for people. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, well, I can think of just feeling very depleted. Like when someone touches you sometimes when you're not uh, ready or when you're not consensual, it can feel like they're taking energy away from you because you're expending so much energy trying to cope with that touch. And so, you know, sometimes people feel very tired or they feel like they're losing interest or motivation. They feel apathetic in life. Um, All of that can come from you not setting that boundary and Mm -hmm. them not respecting it one or the other. Well, on the other end of the spectrum, what if someone really wants touch and they don't know how to ask for it? Mm-hmm. What are some of the consequences to that, to like insufficient touch? Yeah. I think, I mean, so many, like, yeah. you know, like loneliness. And there's a study that this woman, she, she studies touch and a touch mm-hmm. study is kind of rare because it's hard to study touch just because it can manifest in so many different ways. Right. But she found a link, um, the difference between like American adolescent teenage boys and European teenage boys that because European teenagers tend to be like touched more in a supportive way, like that's just a cultural thing. They're less aggressive. Right. I can see it kind of projecting into different like areas of the life too. Like you're seeking pleasure or validation or comfort in some other way. And food is like so common, you know, used, um, like binge eating, secret eating, like these are all behaviors of just feeling like you're not getting enough um, love or validation. And not that you need to, you need someone else to give you that, but like with touch, I'm sure you, you understand techniques in which we can like touch ourselves in really healing ways. Um, But a lot of people just don't have access to that. And I remember when I was like, yeah, early twenties, I remember then asking myself the question, okay, what is your relationship to touch or what are your touch needs? But then at that point thought that my lack of touch meant that I needed to go seek it out in like sex. So then I just started and like Tinder made it so easy and like whatever exists now, Bumble, Hinge, like it makes it so easy. You get that instant gratification the same way with like instant gratification comes with like food eating, right? Like I get that instant hit. So for me, when I was like, oh, you what you're feeling right now is like you feel a lack of touch. We'll go get it from where you thought was the only way to get it, which was from like sex or these like random interactions. Mm -hmm. But then I realized like that wasn't the touch that I was looking for. It was like the touch you get when you get your hair shampooed at like Mm -hmm. a hair salon or when you get a massage or when, you know, your mom or whoever you love rubs your low back or when a friend like holds your hand or when you even just like feel grounded like for me, like grounding on my forearm is like my go-to. It's like really random, but I was like, oh, you're not actually, you're not lonely in the sense that like you need a romantic partner. You just need like some form of, yeah, like touch to let you know that you're going to be okay or know that you're loved and that doesn't have to come from romance. I love that point. I like, what is the difference between 
the touch that you get in a random sexual encounter or like a one night stand versus the touch that you get from say a stranger at the hair salon that's like shampooing your hair or like a loved one massaging your back. What is the difference? To me, I think the difference is like the, there's no expectation back. Like when I, Mm, okay. Right. Like when I go, yeah. When I go get my hair shampooed or whatever, it's just like, I mean, I I paid for that service, but like, that person isn't expecting me to like, like tell them my life story or that person isn't, (laughs) you know, expecting me to like wash their hair back. Like I can just relax and let someone take care of me. Mm. And I think sometimes as a female for myself, I feel like I take care of so many people. Mm -hmm. So even in sex sometimes, like, I don't know if other women can relate, but like sometimes in sex, you take care of the man maybe first. Like hopefully you find a partner who like takes care of your needs, you know, like that exists out there. But when you're doing these don't Tinder, these like Tinder one night stands, like, I don't know about you, but like, it was rare that I would like meet up with a Tinder date and they're like, let me satisfy you first, you know? Right. I was watching Queer Eye the other day and just like this overworked, like mom of three, who's also taking care of her husband, who's living with some disabilities. She's just like not used to the attention being placed on her. And mm-hmm. she feels very uncomfortable about that so let's talk about some some progressions to healing yeah you know for someone who's adverse to touch right now what are some first steps or first few steps that they can take to reconciling that yeah the first thing is just to like explore self-reflect your relationship to touch in a safe environment so if you do have a history of like trauma or assault through touch do that work with a therapist. Like don't engage in that by yourself because a lot could come up. So just self-reflect, even just ask yourself the question, like what is my relationship to touch? What does that bring up for you? What memories does that bring up? Um, ask that conversation when you hang out with your friends. Be like, okay, this girl said like our relationship to touch, that's kind of weird. And just see where that comes from. Like just start having that conversation. And then... Once you can understand it a little bit more, then you might be able to pick out where you're looking to fulfill a touch need. So maybe it's just self-touch. Like, how do you apply lotion? Can you give yourself a face massage? Can you give yourself a hand massage, a foot massage, a calf massage? Um, When you're feeling anxious, can you just, like, put your own hands on your body with, like, gentle pressure and start to explore how you enjoy being touched? And then it's easier to like ask for it, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what to ask for. Yeah. Like you might know that, oh, my calves get very tight or my neck is like a, like a hotspot for tightness and Mm -hmm. soreness. So like start there kind of thing. And you know, like the kind of motions that you want it to go into, you know, when, at what point it feels good or what, what is too much pressure, what is too little. So, you know, all of these things through experimenting with yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I think I feel that way. I mean, obviously touch is so much more than sex, but I feel that way about sex too. Mm -hmm. Like I definitely have better sex because I was, I like had a better idea of how to pleasure myself. Oh, but just, yes. Especially for women out there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You have to know what you want and, and then it's communicate. People can't read minds, right? Like even. And every person is so different. So different. And, and then it's a practice because it can be uncomfortable to be like, oh, actually that thing that you think is like really amazing 
isn't actually for me. Like, yeah. okay, that can be uncomfortable, but you, like you hope that you have a partner who's who doesn't take offense and is like, like, thank you because I'm here for you and you're here for me. And so, yeah, exploring what we need first and then it's easier to communicate. Yeah. And that I think is extrapolated on so many different planes. Like if you know the kind of life that you want to live, like if you know where you want your career to go, then it's so much easier to communicate that to your boss when you're asking for a promotion. Mm -hmm. You know what you deserve in a contract you can list those things out instead of just taking whatever someone else is yeah. giving you and thinking like, oh, I guess this is the best I can do. It's like, no, you can speak up about things too. Um, and that I think in itself is why like touch is so empowering is it leads to all these other things. It's kind of the gateway. It's a start. Yeah. And it's something that you can very physically do to yourself. And that goes back to pleasure too, is you shouldn't only get pleasure from one thing because yeah. then it becomes, it's you're more prone to addiction for that reason. Mm-hmm. If like, I don't know, cocaine or marijuana is like the only source of quote unquote escapism for you or this like sense of euphoria, you're going to keep going back to that over and over again. But with touch, I think if you're able to get it from different people, then you also are able to just see your relationships differently too. You know, I I think a lot of people feel stuck in relationships or feel overly dependent or they cross boundaries with their spouses because that's all they have. But once you realize that you can either perform that on yourself or you know there are friends and family members who can also support you in that way you're just not as dependent or reliant on that person yeah going back to what you were saying i want to talk a little bit more about touch and power Mm -hmm. right um is like it touch can be a way to disempower someone but it's also a way that you can empower someone so navigating that really is just understanding consensual touch (laughs) yeah and something that's coming to mind this idea of like society is centered around like whiteness and we're like either learning or learning more about it right now mm-hmm. centered around whiteness and whiteness is this idea that we own things and that we deserve to own things. Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know, there was, um, gosh, what was that video? Who was speaking to it? This guy was talking about like when white people use the N word, it's like, because they believe that they should own like all words, Mm. which is like ridiculous. Or, you know, a conversation the other day, people think that if they invent something or not invent something, if they have like a certain brand or a certain way of doing things and they own it, it's very like whiteness based, Mm. like this colonial idea. So same with touch is like, you don't own touch. Like you, like it's that person. You don't own any other person's body. They, it's, they are in choice and they get to be empowered in their own body. But Mm -hmm. some people think that like, I have the answers I can touch. Like, especially in yoga for such a long time, these like high up, like yoga, I don't want to call them gurus, but you'll see that like they were using touch, like forceful touch, manipulative touch, like corrective touch. And it was coming from this place of like, I have like knowledge or mm-hmm. I have like whatever they've told themselves. So therefore I have like power over your body. I own your body. So therefore like your hip should move this way. Your hand should move this way. And I'm not going to even going to ask you if I can touch you. I'm just going to touch you. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm right. Because this is yoga. You signed up for it. Yeah. So, and I yeah. own it. So I own you. So like, yeah. there's just such like an unpacking of like, you don't own it. You don't own anything. So that communication dialogue of like, I always say to people who want to touch in yoga or who take my training, it's like, ask people 
not if they want to opt out of touch. Ask people if they want to opt in to touch. Because mm. that's like empowering. Opting out is being like, I'm flagging myself to say that whatever. Who knows why? But you're like, you're, you know, opting in is like, I've made this choice that I wanted. I think there's a lot, the older I get, the more I'm understanding and realizing about myself that I have to unlearn so many things in order to relearn. Yes. Like I have to unlearn. I remember going to see this woman, Brooke. She owns a gym in Winnipeg called My Body Winnipeg. And she was talking about like body image. And she was like, choose a part of your body that you don't like. And I was like, my stomach. She was like, now ask yourself, where did you learn that? And I was like, okay. And I was like, where did I learn that? And I was like, you're right. Like I wasn't, I learned that through the images that I saw in magazines of mm. abs or whatever. I learned that from my mom, you know, commenting on her stomach. So like for mm. me, that's what I learned. So when she said that, she's like, everything you learn, you can unlearn. Mm. Because you you can unlearn that the way that you view your body or whatever that is, and then you relearn it in a different way. Same with touch. You learned a certain way, whether to give it, receive it, not, whatever, it's so complex. But then if you want to, you can take time to unlearn and relearn. You know, we're learning right now, Black Lives Matter, there's so much bullshit that we've learned so that we have racism. to, yeah, we have to unlearn it. I think unlearning can sometimes be harder than learning. Mm -hmm. Like the reason why learning feels so hard sometimes is because you need to unlearn some things first. Yeah. But then that unlearning process is painful because all of these truths that you've collected over the course of your experiences feel like they feel like truths they are there to protect you or mm -hmm. to like confirm something that you've believed in for a very long time in some way and changing up your reality is fucking scary yeah. it requires you to step outside of your comfort zone and completely reconstruct and that's terrifying i remember so clear i can't remember i'm bad with time but it was like two maybe three years ago mm -hmm. And I was on this yoga retreat for young, like, teen girls. We used to do them every summer. And we had a friend of ours, like, a guest speaker come in. And they are non-binary, identify as they, them. And I was so attracted to them. Like, and they were born into, I guess their sex would have been considered female. But they identify, yeah, mm -hmm. non-binary. And I remember just being thrown, like... I remember saying like everything I thought was true is like no longer true because mm -hmm. I had just assumed growing up like I am straight. I am attracted to this certain totally. type of male who is like big and tall and whatever bullshit that we were taught to believe. And here there's this human who is shorter than me and thin and blonde hair and sometimes looks like Justin Bieber. And I'm so attracted to them. Mm. And I was so confused. And I was just like, wow, I have so much unlearning to do. Wow, that, that I mean, that has a lot, you have a lot yeah. of insight for realizing <laughs> that. I think a lot of the times when people are confronted with these things that they didn't know about themselves and the realization to unlearn, the reaction is to hide or mm -hmm. to ignore or to shove aside or to disvalidate. Be like, it's not that important. I, I'll deal with it later kind of thing. Yeah. And slowly those things build up and to a point where eventually it leads to burnout, it leads to big eruptions, it leads to like midlife crisis, um, in addition to like discovery and unraveling. I know for you now, touch can be very relaxing. Mm -hmm. What are some other ways that you unwind and relax? Because you live a busy life. 
Yeah. Well, I used to. COVID well, has really You're still in school. You're still getting a master's. No big deal. <laughs> Just going to brush that under the under the rug. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I think for me, cooking is like one of my favorite things. Mm. Um, I love, like, quarantine has been so good for me because I finally feel like I just have this time to cook. Like yeah. before I would teach till, you know, most nights till seven was the earliest I was getting home. So by that time, like I'm starving. I'm just annoyed. I don't want right. to cook something till eight, 9 PM. I'm just like, what's the quickest thing I will eat you now. Yeah. <laughs> so it's been so nice. I've just been like cooking and cooking different things. And I started growing like a little herb garden in the back. Yeah. Um, so I, I relax a lot that way. Yeah. And just like what a physical like manifestation of feeding your soul of yeah. like really recharging and refueling. Yeah, I love it. love it. Well, that kind of concludes the topics that I wanted to talk about. I feel like we got a lot of good, like meaty, juicy conversations yes. out of each other. Before we go, though, we're going to play a quick little round of rapid fire okay. where I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions. First thing that comes to mind, where were you born? Saskatoon. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's not Calgary or Vancouver or Winnipeg. <laughs> what is your favorite animal? Oh, um, a dog. Is there a specific breed? My my dog, my childhood dog, Cockapoo. Oh, cute. He's so cute. Yeah, because I think yeah. my favorite animal, one of them would definitely be like a golden retriever, like Aww. a dog. Yeah. Good old dog. So cute. Yeah. How do you take your coffee? With cream. All right. Do you yeah. like, um, do you like? Uh, cold brew or Americanos? Like uh, an, an Americano with cream is great. Love it. Yeah, so very good. Very easy. What's your favorite sport to watch? <sighs> My boyfriend, none, but I watch. I was gonna say, I know Kale. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> it's basketball. <laughs> yeah, I'll watch, I watch basketball now, but yeah. like, I don't want to be like a bandwagon person. I don't really enjoy sports, but okay. I'll watch them for my partner. I was gonna say, I'm such a bandwagoner. I'm yeah. like, go raps! Even though up until last year, I like didn't give a, didn't give two shits. <laughs> yes. Um, all right, what would your last meal on earth be? Ooh, this is a very telling question. <sighs> I don't know. I'm obsessed with popcorn, but I feel like that would be a waste of a last meal. <laughs> so, I God, something like that my mom makes, like like a like a Greek feast. She's not Greek, but okay. like a Greek spanakopita, <sighs> Greek ribs, and like lemon potato pastry. And, like, anything, yeah, yeah. I'll I'll eat that. Feta up. cheese, mm, yeah, salty feta. What's your go-to karaoke song? Um, a pony. You sing that? I feel like that's like a dance along song. I've actually never heard anyone sing that in karaoke. We will have to go. I need yeah, to experience this karaoke. in person. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, once everything's open back up. Or yeah. like maybe I'll get a karaoke machine yeah. one day. One An day. outdoor summer karaoke. Oh, that's, so that's the dream. What's your favorite place you've ever visited in the oh, world? Wow. Yeah, you can be like super specific. Be like this park and this place. Oh my god. I have really good it's a toss-up between like Nicaragua and Panama. So but I think I don't know. Panama we go back to every year. So I think like mm. now I just have like really just like surfing. I really learned how to surf in Panama. Yeah. So I think that is my Cool. Yeah. That's a Panama. beautiful, like very like white against the blue sky and the blue ocean. It's just like yeah. beautiful city. It's beautiful. Love it. Uh what's a quote that motivates you? 
um, I don't know if it motivates me, but one of my favorite just things to remember is like, it's not about you. Mm. Like in a good way, you know, like things happen, like it's not about you. So that helps me. Yeah. I think that's from the book, The Four Agreements. Uh, yeah it's well it's not she didn't like coin the uh the concept or the term but she like really goes in depth about yeah it as one of the four agreements but i love that one um if you weren't working as a yoga teacher or a counselor what would you be doing like if you weren't in touch Ooh, i don't know like i don't know if i necessarily would want to be a chef but we always joke about It'd be fun to have like a little backyard garden cafe. I could just cook like a set meal every night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I would go. Like a little (laughs) B&B. But like early dinner. Like I really liked Palm Springs because everything ends at like 7, 8 p.m. I know. I feel like Vancouver's that way too. Vancouver's sleepy, which then I didn't like at the time. But now that I'm a little bit older, I'm like, whew, I love a good early bedtime. Yeah, I know. I went in December and I was like, I I don't mind not going out on a weekday. This is... (laughs) This is great. Yeah. <laughs> What's like your favorite kombucha flavor or flavor combo I should try? Oh, I really like ginger. Mm-hmm. Ginger anything. Yeah, that's I and that way. I know this is weird, but like you know how Caesar like you know when you have a Caesar and a Caesar's just like a salty drink? Oh yeah. Okay. I need like a salty kombucha flavor. Yo, I've actually <laughs> never experimented with salty. But I, I could. We could do like a we could try like a tomato kombucha like clamato because you know when you do clamato and beer together and it's like this like fizzy thing it's like one of my favorite drinks it's weird and a lot of people think i'm weird when i order it at a bar i'm like can i have like tomato juice and a beer beer?" and i'll just mix i think it has a real name um but yeah if you could do like a salty kombucha Ooh, yeah maybe because it is like a little bit vinegary I wonder if that would work. It could right. either turn out like salad dressing or it could right. be like a fucking Caesar, which is bomb. I love yeah. Caesars. Right. Yo, that, okay. Well, got to get to work on that. Stay tuned. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on this. Yeah. I have, I feel like I learned so much. Um, and I want you to plug all of the things, all of the feeling things. All the things. But you can mostly follow me on in, on the internet. Um, <laughs> on the interweb. On the interweb, on the Wi-Fi. Um, <laughs> on Instagram, just the.philosophy, like F-E-E-L-O-S-O-P-H-Y. Um, that's like the best way just to see what we're up to in terms of touch. Mm-hmm. Um, and from there, it kind of links to all the other stuff that I do, like trainings. And when I eventually become a counselor, it'll all live Yay! there. How much so, longer? Um, I'm supposed to start my practicum in September. <sighs> what so, so as soon as september you guys yeah get on the wait list now yeah <laughs> she's gonna be booked up for months um well amazing thank you again for being thank here you. thank you guys for listening at home make sure to check out the other episodes follow me at kombucha.mommy or follow the podcast booch please podcast and uh we'll see you in the next episode